0: This is the Hallmarkies podcast, and we are here today to start our celebration of Christmas. Countdown to Christmas has begun on Hallmark Channel, and including the first movie of the 2018 season. And this is uh, Christmas at Pemberley Manor. And we are going to talk all about it, give you our little recap. And I'm Rachel, and I have a special guest co host today, Marissa Serafini from After Buzz is here. Yes.
1: Hello, Rachel. Thanks for asking me back.
0: Thank you for coming. I'm so excited to talk with you. And we haven't had you on since our uh, bingo uh, episode, which okay. was so much fun in July. Was bingo card queued up when you were watching this film? I didn't because I was busy live tweeting, but I know a bunch of people did. And one of the strengths, we're going to talk about it, but one of the strengths of this movie was it was Christmas Crazy. And I'm like I, uh, our friend Caroline, she showed us her bingo card, and she, which you can print out homeworkiespodcast uh, dot com, and her card was practically full. It was so funny though because she just had like this outer border, so she didn't end up getting bingo, but she's had like. 15 things clicked off, which I thought was, like, that was very emblematic of this movie, that there was a lot of Christmas in this movie.
1: Yes, yes, there was. And I think it was a, a solid start to the 37 movies we're going to watch this. year.
0: Yeah, and I think it was really smart to start with this movie because it was so Christmassy. And it, since we're not really in the Christmas spirit yet, because it's before Halloween, you kind of needed it to be a little overkill, I think. To kind of start everything, <laughs> start everything off.
1: Yeah, they definitely started with the, the Christmas, but uh, it definitely had the feel of yeah. um, and, and the themes of what is in a usual Christmas Hallmark movie. Yeah. So since July, how have you how have you been? <laughs> I'm good. Been watching, admittedly, because uh, Chesapeake Shores kind of took over my schedule. For yeah. Well, that was like really the only thing I watched, and I fell behind in all the summer movies and stuff. I Ooh. still haven't watched the Garage Sale Mystery movies that all aired in August, so I'm actually kind of behind on my homework.
0: Mm-hmm. My introduction to the Garage Sale Mysteries, but I thought they were so fun.
1: I haven't seen any of them. Before. No. Mm-mm. Yeah, I I forget at what number count they are now, but there's like there was probably a solid eight, mm-hmm. at least eight to ten before I know how many movies they're at now but yeah laurie laughlin's
0: fun yeah i've never been a big fan of the mystery shows but i really liked the family dynamic in the grasshell mysteries i thought they were really fun and i thought they did a pretty good job obfuscating because some of them are just so obvious to me that they become kind of boring and um i thought they did a decent job and i really just liked the whole cast a lot
1: yeah, it's a good cast. I like the family dynamic.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: All of them. And you know, conveniently, that Laura's character is going to, like, find something. Yeah. You know, going to be like, yep, here's our mystery. And I, I do actually, I'm um, a general fan of mystery slash thriller kind of storylines. Sherlock mm-hmm. like,
0: Holmes is, you know, one of Yeah. My- I the Aurora the Garden uh, and the Grass Mysteries are the best.
1: The She Big Series.
0: Yeah, I actually haven't seen any of those, believe it or not. I know, shocking.
1: There's a lot of mystery movies to watch, but those are also, they're difficult to watch because they're always filled with snacks.
0: And when
1: you're done or you're watching them, you you have like a whole pack of Oreos next to you and you're just eating them throughout the movie.
0: Uh Uh-huh, yeah.
1: Bad for your health when you're watching those movies.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I, I was talking to, did an interview with Jill Wagner, and she said she was talking about the Christmas cookie movie that she was in. Yeah. And
1: she
0: was like, she was like, I could just keep eating Christmas cookies because it's for my job. <laughs> It'd be I nice. Love
1: Jill
0: Wagner. Yeah, it was really really fun. We decided that because my last name's Wagner, so we decided that we're cousins. Cousins, <laughs> I believe yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I'm sure, you guys have listened to our two Hallmark preview shows where we cover. All 37 of the films give our expectations uh, on the different films, and we did a lifetime preview show. And then, and then tomorrow on our uh, podcast, we are going to have what we call the All the Rest preview show, where we're going to preview Netflix, Freeform, uh, Up TV, uh, feature films, everything. So, we will have previewed everything that has anything to do with Christmas in 2018 and it's really a fun one.
1: Yeah, that's a lot. Good for you. Yeah, I
0: counted it out that we, I think total, we previewed something like 85 films between the, between the four podcasts. (laughs) Anyway. All right. Well, let's dive into this movie. So this, uh, this movie Christmas at Pemberley Manor is our first Countdown to Christmas film this year and it was written by Rick Garman, who is a Hallmark legend. He has written so many different movies and it was directed by Colin Thais, who's also done a number of Hallmark films and we had in it Jessica Laundis and Michael Rady uh, in the two lead roles and what was your expectation going into this
1: honestly uh, the only thing that like really grabbed me just in the preview aspect was um pemberley because of pride and prejudice jane austen yeah. oh yeah great jane <laughs> Austen esque. i'm there um and then while i was watching it i was like okay they're they're using the names but not many and we'll get more into it but the yeah. thing but I thought, I I like Jessica Landis and Michael Rady, and I think they're fun. Never have seen those two pairings together, and I think uh, they they played off each each other pretty well. So I was like, if you like the main two characters and protagonists, you're going to follow the film. Like, generally, uh, hopefully you'll like the film after that, so.
0: Yeah, I I kind of had the same. I actually was looking forward to this more than the uh, Pride and Prejudice and Mistletoe movie coming up, uh, because in that one, I've read the book on the, in that one, and I didn't really like it very much. And in that one, the the lead character is Darcy, which in the book, I didn't think it really worked that well. I'm still hopeful because Lisa Chabert, Brendan Penny, and the writer is one of our favorites of that one. So I'm hoping that it will be a surprise. Um, but this one seemed more promised to have Elizabeth as the lead character. Uh, and uh, so I was pretty excited in Uh, And you have two basically Hall Stars here uh, with Jessica Loundess having been in Yes I Do and in Magical Christmas Ornaments and December Bride and Merry Matrimony. So she's been in quite a few Hallmark movies. And then Michael Rady has been in The Christmas at Homestead, which is really good. One of my favorites. Yeah. That one's really, really good and uh he it was in joyous christmas last year which i, did, I didn't really care for that one but christmas at homestead is really solid and so anyway i was excited and i kind of have two feelings about this movie i i thought that all of the christmas stuff was really fun and i enjoyed all of that i thought that the jane austen stuff was all bad i didn't like any of the jane austen stuff
1: or the I, of, of Jane Austen stuff.
0: Yeah, I didn't think that it worked at all. <laughs> like, I kind of wonder if these people have read *Pride and Prejudice* because like, there was like no similarities at all. It kind of—I uh, I was talking to Amber about it, and she mentioned the old *Pride and Prejudice* from the 1940s with Laurence Olivier, and that one is also bonkers. It's nothing like *Pride and Prejudice*. But, like, in in that one, uh, Lady Catherine de Bourgh is, like, a busybody matchmaker. <laughs> so, like, it's not like it at all. But I do think in that one they get Darcy right Because Olivier is amazing. You know, it's Darcy. Um, whereas I don't think they even did that here. Like, I think I would have... And I found it really distracting because I kept thinking, like, instead of just enjoying the movie and, like, as a fluffy, fun little movie, I was, like... Trying to figure out what they were doing. (laughs) And I'm like, why is this person Wickham has absolutely no similarities with Wickham at all.
1: (laughs) Like, What's going on? Yeah, while I was watching, I was like, okay, we have our Darcy and we have our Elizabeth Bennett. But then when you're watching the characters, you're like, those names were completely different. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, so is it really just the main two leads that are somewhat Pride and Prejudice. And then the story was completely different in the yeah. fact that, like, they had their own, not to say it was original, but different from what Pride and Prejudice was.
0: Yeah. He does anything prideful. Exactly. Ever. Like, his, his worst things that he does is make a joke with his uh, with his um, assistant and, and who's not, like, Bingley at all. <laughs> What was that? And, and then he is going to sell a house, but he's not even selling it. It's the board of directors who are selling it. So he's not even the bad guy here and he doesn't want to have the festival there because they're selling the house. And so like, that makes total sense. So, and not that Darcy should be the bad guy because he's really just kind of shy and awkward and, you know, and a little bit prideful,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: but they didn't, he's not like prideful
1: at all. Yeah. I was waiting for, well, six. So that's your point about Darcy, but my thing was like the development of Elizabeth Bennet. Yeah. From Pride and Prejudice. It's so family oriented. Right. mother's always wanting to get the, all the daughters married off and stuff. And so I was kind of hoping there'd be a more family dynamic with like the sisters maybe giving her um, like pressure to get into a relationship, especially around the Christmas. And no, not. Any. Not at all. <laughs> so, like, we saw no family, basically. Right. I'm trying to remember if like she had any. You know, she had the lines like, "I'm gonna go home after this event to be with my family," yet we never saw. Right. I, I was waiting for like a family dynamic that is so prevalent in the actual story.
0: Well, and she wasn't like prejudiced at all. Like she was, uh, I guess she had one little speech where she judged Darcy in the in the limo. But other than that like she was perfectly pleasant and perfectly sweet and she was more like almost like jane in the book if you were going to give her a character kind of sweet and a little like naive (laughs) and uh, but you know very very pleasant and she was more like that and not like lizzie really at all who makes these kind of judgments and who has a hard time kind of letting go of those judgments, both for and against people. And like she judges Wickham to be a nice guy and she holds on to that for longer than she probably should. She, she judges uh, Darcy to be a terrible person, she holds on to that longer than she should. And that's what makes her character interesting.
1: Yeah, uh, Elizabeth has more of a, an attitude and snap judgments against other people in the original story and yeah. the character of Elizabeth in this movie is like super likable um yeah. if you want to be friends with her in the original story you kind of don't you you would maybe like keep her at arm's length
0: yeah yeah because she's pretty uh yeah. judge and, the, and there was no like Mr. Collins who was supposed to be in the Mr. Collins and that's a missed opportunity when you don't have Mr. Collins who's like super funny
1: that's why I say like lack, lack thereof because there are so many characters or that are in the original story, but you saw nowhere. In yeah,
0: that. Santa's supposed to be Mr. Clones, but that doesn't make any sense.
1: I mean, he had some comedic lines, but <laughs> he was just there out of convenience. Yeah,
0: of- and it just made no sense having this this George character who was really nice and really sweet um, being Wickham. Like Wickham is a liar, and he's a like schmoozer, and he. Uh, I don't know, he's not a, not a nice person.
1: Yeah, and I think the the only conflict, I guess you can say, with George is you can see maybe some hint of jealousy because he wanted to be with Elizabeth years ago, and bitterness because it never worked out, but there was an actual moment, you can tell he accepted it, and accepted that they were better off as friends, and then there was a moment he actually encouraged William dark to to be with elizabeth so i'm like he he wasn't the conflict character either
0: yeah like i thought that he was supposed to be bingley for a long time and it was about 20 30 minutes into the movie when uh they i think they finally said the name of the assistant and last name either because they were just like travis 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 and they said travis bingley and i was like what first of all like bingley should not be the assistant of Darcy like that doesn't make any sense and and second of all um i thought that the other guy was Bingley i was like what that doesn't make any sense like it makes way more sense for George to be Bingley because in him and Darcy to be kind of friends and that that's fits Darcy that fits Bingley's character way more than if it's him being Wickham made no sense
1: yeah definitely definitely because they, they were more like working friends you know professional friends anyway. yeah
0: i thought that uh, that jane uh, played by uh maddie mccormick i thought she was really cute but for a long time i thought that she because i thought that george was bingley i thought she was going to end up with george and <laughs> which i thought would have been really cute um but then in then she, she ends up with with bingley with travis which was cute
1: and i, I like their their me cute moment when like, eyes locked and love at first sight. Yeah. Okay, you know what's gonna happen here. Um, I enjoyed that when we have, mm-hmm. like, a strong secondary couple to, to root for. Yeah. It's usually Hallmark movies. Majority of time you're rooting for your main, but one sure. like secondary relationship with yeah, you.
0: Yeah, they did a good job with uh, secondary characters, I agree, and definitely did a good job with the lingering looks, which is a very Jane austen thing, so I guess they got that right. But <laughs> with all the characters, just the lingering looks. One, one time it gets a little creepy, but for the most part, it really worked.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I liked how they actually used that that secondary relationship to help the, the first one, you know, for um, when Jane tells Travis to stall William in the car, you know, near the end. So, it's like, yeah, I like how the secondary characters did play a big part in the movie.
0: Yeah, and then we had uh, the... Santa character played named Christopher, played by Steve Larkin. And this really surprised me. I was not expecting uh, there to be the real, a real Santa in this movie, uh, because Hallmark's really moved away from Santa stories. I mean, there are hardly any that least appear, like, I would never have thought from this description that there was going to be a real Santa in this movie. and I, I don't know, that that's actually, it was kind of a pleasant surprise just because I did not see it coming. And uh, so that was sort of fun. There's really, I think the only movie that's like a guaranteed Santa in this whole 37 is uh, the Letters to Santa, the Christmas and Evergreen yeah. sequel. Other than that, like...
1: It has an actual magical element to them.
0: Yeah, Christmas magic and Santa is very much not on display this year for Hallmark. And so this was kind of, I thought it was sort of
1: fun. And it's good to start your first Christmas movie with an actual Santa. I like, I saw it and I didn't see it. Like, yeah, Santa, it, did, it was like the moment you physically see Christopher, you know, he looks like Santa. So I immediately thought, I was like, he's going to play Santa in some way. Yeah. Um, when the, their quote unquote first Santa got sick or whatever, couldn't, couldn't make the event, we're like, well, yeah, because you have your other other dude that already looks like Santa. He's gonna step in. So uh, yeah. that that was predictable in that sense. But I didn't realize that they, he was going to be the actual Santa. Mm-hmm. Um, but in hindsight, when Elizabeth did say that moment sh- where she wrote a letter to Santa for true love, and she's hoping like she gets her wish, and whatever. Um, eventually as as just an audience member you hope to actually see that storyline play out and the only way you can see that is to have real santa grant her wish and so christopher becoming the real santa yeah. i didn't see that coming but i should have
0: yeah <laughs> yeah it just uh like once it was playing i was like okay i see where this is going but like it just surprised me and they included that as a plot element i uh, wasn't expecting it uh from the I movie i actually enjoyed it <laughs> I did too. So the only reason it might seem like we're we're harping on this uh, Jane Austen thing, but it was really distracting. It just kept, my brain kept going, like, what's going on? Why are they doing this? And it it did, it really did hurt a lot of my enjoyment of the film. I mean, I still enjoyed it overall, but it was definitely a big downside for me. And I just wish they had instead just called it, uh, I think the town was called like Link, Link, Langford or something like that they should have just called it Christmas at Langford.
1: yeah I agree I think it's it definitely does a disservice towards like true Jane Austen fans I think it maybe I can and this might be the only justification that I'm trying to think of why they would make it Pride and Prejudice because obviously it's the same demographic that's watching and reading these stories um, and that might be for the marketing aspect just to get the fans to watch this film but we're already here. They don't need to sell us it's a Pride and Prejudice story. It's Christmas. Yeah. We're already here watching it. So I, I think maybe just for marketing, it's because Pride and Prejudice, people are, that's going to attract yeah. viewers. But really it really doesn't. If you're going to have two characters just who coincidentally has the names yeah. of Prejudice characters.
0: But it's so just none distracting. Of
1: story, none of the story plot elements or character developments really. Yeah. Don't call it a Pride and Prejudice Jane Austen film. Yeah. I think uh, Unleashing Mr. Darcy, Ryan Peavy's
0: character, I think is way more of a Darcy character in that one.
1: I agree. So, like, she anyway. lives up to the Darcy
0: character. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so let's dive in. Uh, what did you think of having Meredith from the Parent Trap as the boss? What was that?
1: To see her in the first minute of the film, I'm like, sold. Um, I've talked about it before on your yeah. show. Like Parent Trap is literally my all-time favorite movie ever. And I've met Elaine Hendricks in real life. So to see her, I immediately texted oh my, my friend. Gosh. I was like, she's in this movie, and she's also a biosh and she's so great at it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Sold. the minute she was I saw her, I was like, I don't even care. I just I could watch her. So I was very, very excited that she was in it. And I should have known she was in it, but, like, there was n- she didn't promote or tweet it. Yeah. So, like, and I follow her. Um, so to see her was a nice surprise. Um, and I knew because she's so good at playing, like, not to say evil, but, like, the villain. Villain, yeah. Villain, yes. Um, sorry not to make your show PG 13 oh, <laughs> um, The villain conflict character. You knew she was going to have a moment. Um, yeah. he, he, she was going to create the conflict in the movie. And she did have a big plot line. She, she played a big part in the last... 30. Yeah, I liked It was
0: really, really fun. I was like, oh my gosh, they should take her camping. That will solve all the problems. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, I do, like, initially I was already starting to be distracted by the whole Jane Austen thing because I I said on Twitter, I'm like, I feel like Elizabeth Bennett would really like Christmas, would be very, very pro-Christmas and that Darcy would also be pro-Christmas because it would make his sister happy. Mm -hmm. And he's not really anti-Christmas here. He's just very like practical because he's selling the house.
1: He's like anti-promotion. Anti, like, Um, self-promotion. Yeah. and like, which is nice because he was doing good things but not getting attention for himself. So like, I like that just as a character because it just shows he's a good person doing the right thing.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Not asking attention for. So I like that.
0: Yeah, and I thought that Michael Reedy, he looked very handsome.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: I thought that he looked very radiant. He was. <laughs> he was really good. Radiant. Yes. And so, uh, (laughs) uh, and I, I guess his big thing that makes him kind of a villain is that he's making people work on Christmas, but he's very like, he's doing it in kind of a little bit of a naive way. Like he's not doing it to be mean, like a Scrooge would. He's just very much like, of course, it's just, I don't know. It's just different. It's not out of like anger or trying to make people or some kind of statement about Christmas. Like, he's he's fine movie he's totally willing to play ball with whatever happens like he's not a difficult person he's just very practical like he's willing to go shopping for this stuff he's willing to to uh to you know decorate the tree when she gets the tree like he's up for it he's just very like
1: very practical and very focused on his business he's very business driven and that's not uh like you said, he's not the Scrooge. He's like, he has a deadline. He's literally yeah. just, um, and a lot of people have to, like, I have to do this. Like, sometimes you just have to streamline and get your work done. Yeah. Matter what it is. I mean, tomorrow's Halloween. I still have to work on Halloween. That doesn't make me like Scrooge in that sense. It's just, right. like, he's more like, get her done. And like, that's it. And it's not being mean. And he's just being a businessman. He he's, yeah. he's a very big brand in in that sense. So, it, but I like the fact that he was very helpful and he was compliant and mm-hmm. um, he helped whenever necessary. He dropped whatever work he was doing to do work for this Christmas event and stuff. So mm-hmm. I, I liked him. He he didn't seem like the terrible business guy like who was lonely um, and bitter. He just. He got so used to working and not spending the actual holidays with people,
0: yeah it was pretty funny the so they get to the town, and uh, he asks his assistant to go get him a coffee and like it was kind of funny they didn't even like bother to have like a coffee shop or anything it was like this weird outdoor like stand in the middle of this like park it was like what is this weird stand i don't know i thought that was so classic
1: at least one cafe <laughs> yeah, I know.
0: I was really funny it was like the classic thing from hallmark that they just are like well who cares? We're just gonna do it because it works for
1: the script. <laughs> and sometimes comes from um, outdoor stands.
0: Yeah, evidently that's the case here. And you have our uh, Travis Bingley, his assistant, who goes up to the top of the line. He's like, "Look, I need to get this. Sorry, there's this long line at this at this stand," and and Elizabeth is like, "Hey, you can't butt in line." <laughs> and so he's like my boss is gonna fire me because I'm not getting him this coffee fast enough and meanwhile Darcy is like um I was just joking it was just a bad joke and and so Elizabeth goes up not realizing who it is goes up to the limo and she's like look buddy you're being a terrible boss why are you telling him to do this and I don't know what did you think of
1: that I mean, I, I think they were trying to establish that Darcy's not the greatest guy. Quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, it also establishes that yeah, he was trying to be funny, but yeah, he, yeah and he comes across too serious. Like he, um, and I think they were they were trying to go with Darcy, and the original um, story is is a very serious guy. Um, fairly serious you know uh so i think they were just trying to make it look like he was trying to be funny but he really wasn't
0: so basically in this version of pride and Prejudice, for whatever and darcy is just kind of a businessman who makes bad jokes
1: (laughs) no he i mean he he tries to be funny but
0: yeah that's like the level of sort of villainy that we're not that darcy is a villain in the in the book but you know what I mean? That's the level of sort of pride that we're getting here. (laughs) He told a bad joke. Uh, so also I do think it's really funny how they're all supposedly got these hot cup of, uh, cups of coffee in their hands. And it's like, they don't even pretend that they're actual. like they're just so obviously empty cups they're just like can you at least try to like pretend that you're holding something hot
1: and that's probably more so the the fake snow on the ground because it's mean, saw, saw white snow but underneath it we saw pure green grass yeah sometime in the spring or summer when they're filming this movie <laughs> yeah
0: agreed and they they did a pretty good job with the tree coverage i think Uh, In like, the wider shot of Pemberley Manor looked pretty good, I think. But, yeah, definitely, especially once they set up the festival, uh, it, it, you could, it looked, that's when you saw it, I think, more. Yeah, Yeah, I agree. And Pemberley Manor, this was kind of, like, uh, it was, I don't know if you'd call this a manor. (laughs) I guess in, like, New England it would be, but not, like not certainly not in like the south you know where you've got this like plantations and stuff like i don't know if i'd call this a manor but whatever we'll we'll, we'll let it we'll let it slide it was certainly a beautiful home and what did you think of the sinkhole conflict
1: um not necessary because it really didn't move the plot forward yeah um, but i i think it just it helped just to get the whole story at the pemberley manor
0: because they were trying to create some kind of motivation that like that they would have to last minute rely on Pemberley Manor for this festival and uh, there's like nowhere else the only other place is like a bait and tackle shop or something like that <laughs> and this is quite the sinkhole. <laughs> oh my God. it's like swallowing up well all down. It it's really funny I thought
1: they made it like This is as big as the problem. So, like, they had to make it as desperate as it could be that the manor is the last resort.
0: Yeah. Also, I did find it a little groan-inducing, this whole idea that they're going to tear down this beautiful home and build condos. Like, (laughs) it kind of reminded me of uh, Love Once and Always from uh, this year that I think was in March. And that one, they're going to tear down this beautiful house to build a golf course. And I'm like... That makes no sense. First of all, there's all this land all around. Like, why, why on earth would you tear down this beautiful home that's still functioning, still operating? You know, it's not like it's, like, uh, termites or some horrible thing. Like, you could make a killing hosting weddings at Pemberley Manor. Just have it be an event space.
1: <laughs> it's um, it's well, ridiculous. I think also, to, to add maybe to the Darcy character that how heartless can you be when you tear yeah. down a beautiful home just to put up something as straight and boring as businessy as condos? Like what yeah. else? It, it seemed like such a like a sellout kind of character because you're building developments. No one wants developments. Yeah,
0: feel
1: well, like a dislikability factor.
0: Yeah, you know that Hallmark business is evil and uh, that's the (laughs) business is bad and so that was our there was their way of trying to kind of they wanted to make him bad uh, an antagonist while still making him the protagonist making him the lead uh so it was like well I'm gonna sell the house but it's really the board that's selling the house you know so it's kind of like they gave him I said these mean things to my assistant but it was really just a joke so it was kind of that was their way of sort of setting up the character but then not really you know <laughs> there's sort of an out for everything and uh so yeah she's able to uh, she, they go up and they try to get a uh, use of pemberley for this festival he's like Oh, we're selling the house like we're not going to use it or not going to it's not going to work um so she goes to the buyers and uh, or the um i think or the board Yeah, that's right. And she's like, this will be great. This will be really goodwill for the whole community, whatever. So she gets him and she gets them to agree. And then he's
1: like, okay, sure. Let me know what I can do to help. I like that go-getter attitude that she has. Literally skip the middleman and take a ride to the stores. I like that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I just loved all the scenes with them shopping because they had like a million bags. And then this like big Pile of these boxes that look like shirt boxes. You know what I mean? Like when you get a shirt at the department store. That's what they look like. And I'm like, well, what are they buying for this? At like those kinds of stores? Like I'm all for shopping local, but I would think for a festival, you need to go to like Kmart and like stock up or Walmart or whatever. It was really funny to me. And but I just thought this is the only version of Pride and Prejudice where Darcy becomes Elizabeth's shopping stooge. It was great. I loved it. It was really fun. It
1: was fun to see him like struggle because you don't really—that's what his assistant is for—and so the fact that he's actually doing quote-unquote work for this, yeah. it, it added humor.
0: Yeah. So we're kind of trying to make him seem like some kind of ladies' man, which was really funny. Like that was a little unusual for Mark because they were like Zane uh, about how he dated two models at once. <laughs> <laughs> He is Michael Rady, so I will, I I mean, he's a very handsome man, so
1: I believe that. and famous could get any girl he wanted.
0: Yeah, for sure. Then we, it was weird because they had the tree buying scene, not between Darcy and, and Elizabeth. They had it with Elizabeth and George, which was sort of weird. (laughs) I, you know, because that's kind of an iconic moment for a Hallmark Christmas movie is the tree buying scene for the couple. that was sort of strange
1: yeah i mean i didn't find it as strange because we did have elizabeth and william when they were tree decorating
0: yeah that helped. that's true
1: emotional um backstory to darcy's um history and why he he doesn't like the holidays and his connection to the house so i didn't mind the tree buying thing that wasn't with darcy got the t- tree decorating scene. Yeah,
0: that's fair. Uh, and it, but one thing I did think was really weird. So they have this really pleasant decorating the tree, very flirty, very nice. And uh, she, he she leaves and he's like, "Oh, I'm not going to go to the festival cuz I just want it to be about the town. I don't want it me to get involved." And they have this discussion and then afterwards she's like he threw me out of the house. I'm like, "And no, we did
1: it?" He got you out of the house quickly, but he did it in a very nice way.
0: Yeah, he did not throw her out of the house in any way, shape, or form. Like, what is going on? So that was weird. He's working on the the festival, and we get this <laughs> really kind of a little bit... I have this thing on my Twitter where I say, is it Hallmark or Horror? Um. Where I take a screenshot of... A <laughs> Cause I, my theory is that you could make almost any Hallmark movie a horror movie if you put a different score. But that's true for almost all romances because if yeah. <laughs> you did you ever watch How I Met Your Mother?
1: Yeah, of course.
0: Okay, good. So there's this whole episode where they talk about the Dahmer versus Dobler. Yes. You know that one? And so it's the whole thing that Barney talks about that when you or I think my, Barney or Ted, but that when somebody that you like is doing romantic gestures like Dobler and say anything that it's really romantic. But when it's somebody you don't like, it's super creepy and weird. So then it's like Dahmer. And <laughs> sometimes I feel like that you could totally do that with Hallmark and have the exact same things, but it's somebody that you don't like. So the exact same situations look creepy. And it was just kind of, it was a classic Hallmarker horror when she's out there like working on the festival and he's looking at her from the window. And it was just a little, like, it was a little leering
1: no, I can see that now. Now that you mention it, that, that's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> funny. Yeah. and I, I love Say anything. We just had Ioni Sky in the studio a couple of weeks ago, and I bought
0: Oh,
1: um, so yeah, I, I love lord Tabler. Yeah, <laughs> brought up that that reference. That is funny. I never thought that that could be boring, but I did. I I did feel as an audience member, I fell for him because like, ah, uh, he's so used to celebrating holidays by himself he never had to connect with people or like he never really properly connected with people
0: yeah
1: social events like that so i think he was just conditioned to always look uh, look towards the actual fun and not but actually not be a part of it yeah
0: and that is the cool thing that is the one thing i think they got right about darcy's character is that darcy is kind of lonely and you know he's had to he's had to do a lot on his own including his sister they don't have a sister in this one, but I think they captured his loneliness pretty well in this
1: i, I definitely think so too, and especially with the backstory during the tree decorating scene where it's like um his family where he grew up, and then he never really had a proper christmas um mm-hmm. like, he grew up with his his well, what was it his aunt or his no grand grandparents um but like his last proper Christmas was when he was young, so mm-hmm imagine in the last probably 10 15 years um he just got so used to not having a real christmas
0: yeah and then next we got a cookie baking sequence because like seriously they really did have it all in this movie they had tree decorating tree purchasing they had a real santa they had a festival christmas festival they had travel shenanigans they had a cookie baking montage i mean there were a lot of tropes in this one movie and I, I wasn't sure if they were just making the cookies for fun or if it was part of the festival.
1: I think it might have been just for, for fun. fun. I, don't, I don't think we saw the cookies at the festival. Yeah. But so, it, it a lot of last because there was the moment she was giving him a hard time about the, the frosting.
0: <laughs> right. It was cute. It was cute. Are you frosting judging me? Yeah, it was good. So then she's starting to lead the festival. And uh, he brings out the uh, horse in, and he brings out the carriage. And at first time I was like, does he have horses? Like what is going on here? Uh, but they're going to renovate it, whatever, for, refurbish it so they can use it for the festival.
1: The, the carriage was so easily accessible. It was like, oh yeah, we just have a carriage. line. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Do you have horses?
1: What? Of
0: course. You <laughs> <laughs> also get that she writes letters to Santa and that was another trope to chat in there and that she asked for true love which was very cute <laughs> i liked that. yeah it was really really cute um i did love the uh the tree lighting scene and the festival when they had that giant switch
1: <laughs> right <laughs>
0: <laughs> and uh and I liked Santa. He says, or Chris, whatever, says, Christmas is about more than decorations. It's about people. People you care about and who care about you. So it was cute.
1: Like, Hallmark usually has good messages.
0: Yeah, for sure. And he... So he goes outside and he... They have this sh- handshake and some tabloid or whatever so he takes a picture. Because that's, like, big tabloid moment there is for the... Uh, is for... The it's small long. town festival.
1: <laughs> Your main headline,
0: yeah, handshake scandal. Um, and then there's a there's an article in the paper: billionaire Darcy saves Christmas. And <laughs> like again, scandal. Oh my gosh, holy cow! Boss yeah. sees this and uh, and she freaks out because she's like, "This is not representing our event planning well," which is very confusing because it's like,
1: oh actually, really getting- about saving Christmas for a town. <laughs> <laughs> your name is attached to a billionaire how is that not saving
0: <laughs> yeah i mean he's giving her a handshake it's not like he's like suing them or something like that <laughs> like, he's obviously happy but she's very upset and she gets elizabeth gets very upset and she's like if this were event planning at school i would have flunked so <laughs> i don't know it was hilarious and and then they're looking for santa claus and they're like if only there was someone around here, who looks like Santa Claus.
1: <laughs> and that's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, wasn't he should have already been Santa Claus?
0: Yeah, Christopher's like, What? I don't look like Santa Claus. Yeah. That was really funny.
1: I love that line, like I don't see it. <laughs>
0: yeah. And they get um Travis, his uh, elf helper costume, which I thought was really cute. Have to have the
1: elves. Santa yeah.
0: Santa. yeah, sort of. More about Wickham or George being friend zoned. And he's like, maybe I should ask her again. So he talks to Darcy about it. And he's like, you know Give, me. Up,
1: Give it up, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Not yeah.
0: Yeah. And the boss is like, I'm going to have to come and rescue this because you've just done such a terrible job, which was ridiculous. But it was.
1: Yeah, no, she's been doing a great
0: job. Yeah, obviously doing a great job. He was happy with it. And I also I loved the scene when uh, <laughs> when uh, he, when Darcy was wrapping presents. That was so funny. I thought. Yep. yep. <laughs> he's like the worst present wrapper ever.
1: And, well, not, not to like generalize, but like men cannot wrap gifts. Yeah, That's I, funny. I, I rarely ever have met any men that can actually properly wrap a gift.
0: Yeah, I think they just maybe rush and it has to be done kind of methodically
1: you just like put some tape on it call it wrapped
0: <laughs> but there also was a, a really really fun moment like i love when they sneak in little like hand holding in, in hallmark movies and they think oh do we even notice but then it's like Ooh, i noticed because like she like puts her hand on his arm like very nice It's good <laughs> Uh, that's like first base at Hallmark, you know, the <laughs> hand-arm touch. <laughs> Very good.
1: It's too close.
0: Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, so then, uh, I think Caroline was her name, was the boss. She comes and she's going to revolutionize the festival. And her version of revolutionizing the festival is basically installing like 10 tables, that's which totally- was probably a smart idea, let's be honest.
1: Change much per se? She just like made it bigger, I guess. Like the line where Caroline was like, "Well, let's see what else I can salvage, salvage of the of this event." I'm like, she she did all of the work. She was just adding more. Like, yeah, tables here. Let's add a add a station here. I was like, you're not really changing things. You're just adding to it. There's gonna
0: be food. It's probably a smart idea. Tables. That was probably a good good call. I was like, "That's a good call, too." Uh, And then she like goes to lunch with him, and it was like, "Is she trying to make a move?"
1: Right. Or should this just business? I'd like some time alone to like talk things
0: over. Yeah. Yeah, right. I don't think that's the best way to get his business is to like try to make a move, but um, but there's this him and Darcy and Elizabeth go on this carriage ride, which was another trope that they had in there for Christmas, and I thought that was really fun.
1: Yeah. And then Caroline wants to take it right immediately after. You're like, oh no.
0: <laughs> yeah. And so then we find out that the singer is sick or something happened to the singer. And we've heard her like humming throughout the show. And, uh, and so that's when Christopher's like, you should sing, you should sing. And so she gets up there and she sings Oh Holy Night, which I actually thought that her singing was fine. It's not like the best singing I've ever heard in my life. But I thought it was fine, especially for a character that's supposed to be a little insecure, a little, you know, like a little nervous. I thought it, it worked, but I just don't think they should have picked that song. Because Only Night is one of the hardest songs, Christmas songs to sing, and maybe the hardest Christmas song to sing. Yeah. It goes a whole octave <laughs> jump. It's really tough, and it was acapella, which is even tougher. So I think that that was a mistake, and they should have done something just simple and sweet, like the first Noel."
1: something like that and you knew her character was eventually gonna sing because they dropped those hints
0: yeah
1: she's like yeah hey, i love singing her humming so you knew like that that was the pre- very predictable in that sense like
0: yeah
1: it was gonna feel but i agree with it should have been a different song because oh holy night is super hard my favorite version and i'm com- gonna sound completely biased but it's true martina mcbride of mm. all time she kills mm-hmm. oh holy night listen yeah. to- white christmas album oh holy night yeah that's how you sing oh
0: holy yeah silent night would have been perfect because it's very simple it's very sweet
1: great acapella as well yeah silent
0: night i agree silent night was designed to sing acapella yeah
1: exactly
0: that's what i would have done but i thought she was fine i i i uh i didn't have a problem with her singing uh but anyway it was christopher who says it's time to believe in the magic of the holidays You can get what you wish for, but you have to ask. So that was a nice message. Mm -hmm. And then we get our classic uh, misread observation, I guess, Uh, (laughs) the scene where he's going to go tell Elizabeth how he feels. And uh, he drives up upon her and George hugging. And he thinks that it's a big moment when it's really them basically saying goodbye and this is just, like, another classic trope thrown in there.
1: Oh, right, like a, a mis- miscommunication or, like,
0: yeah.
1: overheard conversation or just, like, a misinterpreted type of... Right. And it was a hug. It's not like it was a kiss. I mean, I'd still go up to someone if they just hug someone. You know, right. To talk about something that I really needed to talk about. It's just... I don't think... See, the, I think one of my issues with this film, and I don't want to say issue because that's such a you know hard word. Right. They tried to put in so many different conflicts in this movie, and I couldn't follow which one was which. Like Caroline coming in, was that the conflict? Like trying to figure out, messing up the festival, was the um, the misread situation with the hugging? Was that the conflict? Was the snowstorm yeah. the conflict? That they, they tried to add so many conflicts, and usually a movie only has one. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and they're selling the house and is like Caroline trying to make moves or like, is she going to lose her job? Like what's going on? And, and then it turns out the festival is canceled, which really made no sense because everybody seemed to be having a pleasant time. It literally was an article about how he would save Christmas, uh, but it was all it was like the company who was gonna buy it had all of a sudden decided not to host the festival on christmas
1: day that's craziness <laughs> anyway. so like again and like that also tried to be the clock con- yeah yeah getting moments where you're like what's the big problem of the movie we don't know
0: yeah instead sort of just using the conflict that's in pride and prejudice conflict of two people. (laughs) Like, why didn't they just use that? I don't know. They have this whole thing where he signed the papers, but he has to transfer those papers over to the board or something like that. And, like, he can't just Mm -hmm. do that through a scan and fax or whatever. I don't know. But he's gonna get on this helicopter, but then Travis is like, hold up, uh, the the helicopter can't go, or he's making this thing, and uh, so stolen them. And so... Then they go to work, uh, Jane, George, and Elizabeth, to get the festival back up and running. And uh, and then they end up with more travel shenanigans where they're stuck uh, past the airport. Uh, the car gets stuck in the snow or something.
1: Yeah, and that's that like, that happens all the time. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs>
0: yeah the this was all this was both men but the women in in hallmark movies tend to be terrible drivers they're always getting into car accidents and like like i'm like what's going on uh, like they have more meat cute car accidents and they probably, it's probably healthy
1: that is very true the car is um, always breaking down in some way <laughs> uh
0: so then we see that chris is really the real santa and he's there to rescue them and bring them to the festival and then he sees the festival and darcy decides not to sell the house and that the board also decides i guess that they're not going to sell the house and so it's great and everybody's happy and they get uh, darcy to read the night before christmas which was very sweet i really enjoyed that another yeah. trip they had in but it was really sweet
1: I, I liked it definitely trope, but it allowed Darcy to have a moment to socialize with everybody and be part of the event. Yeah. Like the main part of the event.
0: Was really cute. And I did think the final lines was very cute when he says to Elizabeth, I had to make it on the nice list and she says, I think you did and then they get their kiss. It was really cute.
1: I like the ending.
0: Yeah. So overall, like I said, I I thought all of the Jane Austen stuff was bad. I thought all the Christmas stuff was really fun. And so I end up giving this movie, out of five crowns, I'm going to give it 3.25. What would you give it?
1: Yeah, that's fair. I was actually going to give it
0: just a three. Yeah. And Amber was at 2.8, so she's a little bit lower than both of us. Okay. Uh, Yeah, because so but we're all pretty close. We're all in the same. And I, I definitely might have gotten a little bit of a, a first movie bump because <laughs> this is the first one I've seen, you know? And by the time you get to 37, you're a little more weary. Whereas here, I'm a little more forgiving, I think, than I might be.
1: You, like, re-rate your movies after you watched all 37.
0: Yeah, and I will do a ranking that I'll continually update. Right now, as far as my whole a Hallmark movie list for the my ranking for the whole year. I have Christmas in Pemberley Manor at 34 out of I think 57. Let's see. Here. Just below The First Morning Show Mystery at 33 and I have Season for Love at 35. So that's where I currently have it in my ranking. So kind of right in the in the middle, I guess.
1: <laughs> there so. And we still have a lot more movies to go
0: i know crazy thank you so much for coming on talking about this movie this was really fun
1: yeah of course thank you for always asking me yeah you know, fellow podcasters and plus you know it's hallmark so i'm there
0: well, we really appreciate it and uh, where can people find you online
1: um, everyone can follow me at sarah tv
0: great love links for all that uh, and you're not sure what your coverage as far as afterbuzz will be
1: No, not yet. and Nothing set in stone yet, but eventually I'll probably, I was thinking my best way to approach it because there are so many movies, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'll watch all of them, but only really like do in-depth coverage of the ones that I think stood out the most.
0: Yeah, great. Well, make sure you're following Marissa on social media so that you know what she's covering and what's going on because it's really great stuff and she puts a lot of, you just had a a lot of really great interviews from each of our four, correct? Yes, thank you. Yeah, that was really fun. So definitely check all of those out. And uh, let us know what you think of this movie. Did you like it? Did you not like it? How many crowns would you give it? Let us know in the comment section or on Twitter. And uh, make sure you're following the podcast at Home Reviews Pod, Instagram, Twitter, all of the social media. And if you can give us a rating on iTunes, we really appreciate it. It really helps us out and more people to find the podcast. So check that out. And you can follow me at Rachel's Reviews on itunes and on youtube and all over and i really appreciate if you do and uh thanks again marissa it was really fun
1: yeah always thank you and merry christmas merry christmas